Bibles. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews chapter number 10. I want to say it's good to be in the house of the Lord today. There is no other place that I'd rather be than right where we are today. Hebrews chapter number 10. We're going to read just a couple verses and I'm going to, I'm going to let you sit down. Uh, verse 19. Verse 19. We'll start in verse 19. to be in the house of the Lord. All right. How many of y'all had a, a good week this week? Come on, raise your hand. Let me see. Good week this week. How many of y'all had a rough week this week? All right. All right. Whether it's good or bad, we need to be here today. We need to be here today. It's very important for us to assemble I'm, I'm, I'm careful to say, I don't want to say, you need to go to church, but that's the, that's the language we understand. That's the language that, that, that makes sense to us because we've heard it so often. But what, what we really need to say is we need to assemble together. Church is not a place, it's a people. Are y'all with me? And, and we need the assembling. We need to gather. We need to be in each other's company. Now, when I say go to church, I don't, I don't necessarily mean come to the corner of Campground Road and, and 157. Are y'all with me? Uh, uh, listen, it, it, gathering with the saints, gathering with the saints, that's what I want you to get. Uh, we gather with saints uh, on Mondays at Bondo Church. Matter of fact, this week we had 21 in Bondo Church this week. Can we give God praise and glory? Matter of fact... Uh, we're averaging, uh, we're averaging right at a hundred or a little over a hundred now in our micro churches out in the community. We have 14 going now and that's just in a matter of months. Can we give God praise and glory right there? <laughs> Seeing people saved every week and, and, and it's a, it's a real blessing and an honor, but I want you to know how important it is for you to assemble. Say that with me. We need to Assemble, And that's what I want to talk about today, all right? So let's look in Hebrews chapter number, uh, and I, I haven't forgot our series. This is just the beginning of the year, and I want to kind of, I want to kind of set a tone uh, for this coming year and what I'd like to see. So in verse 19, if you're there, say amen. amen. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way. Now, now what's the book we're reading? I know it's the Bible. But what book in the Bible? Hebrews. Hebrews. So, we're, so he's speaking to what kind of people? Jewish people. All right. He's speaking to the Hebrews. All right. Now, most of the language that you hear in this book is going to be based on Old Testament worship. Are y'all with me? And when he says boldness to enter into the holiest, what's he talking about? He's, he's the, the type of the holy of holies. Because that's what, they would, that's what they would know. That's what would make sense to them. In the Old Testament, they had the tabernacle and the temple. And the Holy of Holies is the place where God's presence was. And it was the place that only the high priest could go in only once a year. Are y'all with me? But now he's saying, we who aren't even Jews can go into the Holy of Holies because of Jesus. Are y'all with me? So when we're reading through this, some of this is going to say, well, that don't even make sense. you got to understand he's talking to Hebrews, and he's talking to people who are familiar with Old Testament imagery. 
sacrificing, the sprinkling of blood, the holy of holies. But this is symbolic. This is symbolic to us. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So when we're reading this, keep that in your head, all right? And then I'll explain it. Now, we have boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh. What was the veil? The veil was that thick curtain that separated God from man. They could not go past the veil. So it was the barrier. So what is he saying now? When Jesus died on the cross, the veil was ripped from top to bottom. It was taken away. Now Jesus is the door. Y'all catch that? Yes, amen. Anyway, there's a lot of preaching right there we don't have time for. Verse 21. And having a high priest over the house of God, what's the next two words? Come on. Let us draw near. Draw near. Draw near to who? God. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. What's the next two words? What do we need? What's he saying? Let us Hold fast. In verse 22, let us draw near. Verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And verse 24, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Now let's all read verse 25 in concert together. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day. How many of y'all understand the day's coming? Perilous times shall come, Paul said. They're here. They're here. The Bible says in the last days that people will call good evil and evil good. If that's not where we're at, you see the day approaching. He says, We can't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And we're going to see some reasons why. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your your blessings and your mercy and your goodness. And Lord, just thank you for a good crowd this morning. Good crowd this morning. Now, Lord, I need your anointing. I believe I have your word. And I believe it's really, really uh, needy. It is timely. It is what we need to kick off this year. Lord, I pray that your perfect will be done. Move in me so I can encourage your children. I pray your perfect will be done. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't. And Lord, don't let me forget anything I should. And God will thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. It doesn't take, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that the American church is in decline. Now it's hard, it's hard to see that when you look around and you see a full house and, and, and you see a, a, a church that has life and a church that uh, is growing and, and has some, some energy to it. And, and, and sometimes when this is the only church you know, you think they're all like that. But, if you came here from somewhere else, you know that's not the case. In, in the, the, the American church, attendance in the American church is on a drastic decline. A drastic decline. People who claim to be Christians 
are on a drastic decline. The greatest increase is in the people who say they have none, no affiliation. I have no uh, religious uh, affiliation whatsoever. And here is my issue. Here is my issue. Um, I'm, not, I'm not upset uh, that sinners are not coming to church. Now, when I say sinners, I need you to understand that I mean lost people. Now, saints are just forgiven sinners. But the Bible declares that they're saints. So we, we, can, we can distinguish. Saints doesn't mean you're a great good person. It just means you've been forgiven. Does everybody understand that? But I'm not upset that sinners are not coming to church because they don't know nothing about it. They, they have no idea what it's all about. Saints are supposed to go get sinners. The problem is when saints are not faithful. And when saints are missing the assembling of themselves together. Kerry Newwolf, he is, a, he is a Christian writer and he has been doing research and he, he wrote down an article that I want to read to you uh, about why that there is so much absenteeism in people who claim to love God and claim to love the church and, and claim to be saved. He said one reason, the number one reason is greater affluence. Greater affluence. In other words, people are making more money. Money gives options to people. If your church is at, at all engaged in the middle class, the upper middle class, or, or a suburban demographic, an interesting trend is developing. The middle class is shrinking. It's shrinking in part because more of the middle class is becoming upper class. Both U.S. and Canadian uh, personal disposal income are at an all-time high. And again, people with money have options. Technology options, travel options, options for their kids. And arguably, that affluence may be one of the factors moving them further away from a committed engagement to the mission of the local church. It's perhaps fueling some of the other reasons that we're going to share. Now, you say, well, that, that can't be true. That's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. And listen, it corresponds, it corresponds with, with uh, the Old Testament. I don't know if you remember, but if you go back and read that God, he, he, he had concern about this and he warned the nation of Israel that when they went into the promised land, they were going to go to a place where there was wills, wells they will not have to dig, vineyards they won't have to plant, houses they won't have to build because he's going to bless them immensely when they go in there. He's going to bless them in an incredible way. And he said, now when you go into all of that and receive all of these blessings, he said this word, beware. Beware. Now, what is he saying beware of? Now, when we see a sign, beware, it's usually beware of the dog. Right? Be careful because something's going to bite you. Right? And, and he says, beware. This is what he said. What's, what's the dog that's going to bite you? Beware lest ye forget God. What did he know? He knew that when people are blessed and people are provided for, they have a tendency to forget where the blessings come from. Now, now we have an administrator back there that, that I hope he's taking notes in what he's doing back there. But brother, brother Dustin, you can, you can, he, he will stand and testify to this, that our greatest attendance times is when we are financially in a bad way in our country. And we can correlate, we can correlate when the economy's good, attendance is bad. Yeah. Brother Dustin, can I have an amen? 
Do you know when our greatest attendance was? Usually throughout the spike was during 2008 when the crisis, when everybody's worried about their job. Most people lost their job. So what did they need? God. Now, when everything's going good and everything's going great and things are better, they don't need God anymore. Affluence. Listen, now, do we need to pray for a a depression? No. And everybody says, Amen. amen. Actually, I want you to say no, but okay. Either way, what do we need to do? Just remember God. Don't forget where the blessings come from. I'm all for blessings. And I'm all for uh, health and wealth and prosperity. But dear God, don't forget where it came from. Say, why are you worried about that? Because God has a tendency to take it away so you will remember. Look at the Old Testament. Listen, greater affluence. Number two, higher focus on kids' activities. There's a higher focus today on kids' activities. A growing number of kids are playing sports, and a growing number of kids are playing on teams that require travel. Many of those sports happen on weekends, and affluent parents are choosing sports over church. It's that simple, and it truly is. Number three, more travel. Despite environmental concerns, travel is on the rise. Most people are taking far more than the old standard of one vacation a year. More and more families are various ages travel for leisure. Even if it's just out of town to go to camping or friends place for the weekend or a weekend at the lake. When people are out of town, they tend not to be in church. And listen, I don't care if you go to 50 vacations a year. Make sure God's still your priority. And this is, this is my concern. My concern is not necessarily for you as much as for the, the impression and the example you're leaving your child. Because what we do in moderation, they will do in excess. What does that mean? Translate this. If you think it's okay to miss five, they think it's okay to miss ten. And that's dangerous. Dangerous. Blended and single parent families is on the rise. So how does this translate into attendance patterns? When custody is shared in a family situation, perfect attendance for a child or a teen might be 26 Sundays a year. You know, half and half. Similarly, while the affluent might not be in church because of access to reliable transportation, single parents who not always but often struggle more financially might not be in church because of a lack of access to reliable transportation. So here's a strange twist. People who have a car are often not in church because they have a car. People who want to be in church are often not in church because they don't have a car or because they're, it's not their weekend for church. Sadly, people who want to get to church simply can't sometimes. Number five, online options. With the rise of online church, social media, there have never been uh, more opportunities for people to access church without being there. There are pros and cons to online church, and there's no doubt that churches with a strong online presence have seen it impact physical attendance. But whether or not your church has an online option doesn't make the issue go away. Anyone who attends your church has free access to any online ministry of any church. What does that mean? You don't really have any control over that. But I will say this. If you're watching online, I hope you're sick or can't get here. And you'll see in just a minute. Just pay attention. Don't shut the thing down because you're mad. Keep your laptop up and keep watching, okay? You'll see why you need to be here. Listen, online church is great. 
for shut-ins. And for those who can't make it. I, I, there's been times, listen, I got to watch, I got to watch y'all worship while I was in the Holy Land. Went to church right with you. Now listen, here's the thing, here's the thing. This is, these are options that are great, but they're no substitute for assembling together. And I'll get to that. Trust me, the intro is longer than the outline, so don't nobody freak out. I'll get to that in a minute. There's a cultural disappearance of guilt. I see this a lot. When I grew up, I felt guilty about not being in church on Sunday. The number of people who feel guilty about not being in church on Sunday shrinks daily. I regularly meet people all the time who haven't been in months but say they love the church. That's happening a lot. Man, I'm telling you, when I miss, I feel like Jonah didn't get swallowed by the whale. Yeah. I want to be here. Number seven. Some of you doctors and nurse pra- practitioners in here will appreciate this. Self-directed spirituality. Self-directed spirituality. What does this mean? People are looking less to churches and leaders to help them grow spiritually and more to other options. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing. When it becomes a bad thing is when they're looking to the wrong place for that option. Let me explain. We live in an era in which no parent makes a visit to a doctor's office without having first Googled the symptoms of a child's illness and a recommended course of treatment. Just ask any family physician. It drives them crazy. Google, doctors will tell you, is not a complete replacement for medical school. Don't you love when they get on Facebook? I have these symptoms. What do you think? I think you need to go to the doctor. Because Aunt Betsy's going to tell you something that may curl your toes. Do I have a witness? Yes, yes, yes. Anyway, I'm sorry. Let's get back to them. Now, just, just like that, when was the last time you bought a car without completely researching it online? In an age where we have access to everything, more and more people are self-directing their spirituality for better or for worse. Listen, another characteristic of the postmodern mind is a declining trust of and reliance on institutions. The church in many people's minds is seen as an institution. The church is a movement, not an institution. Amen. The problem is many churches behave like an institution and the postmodern mind instinctively moves away from it as a result. Now, how, how can we, we talk about that just a minute? I want to teach you to be able to feed yourself. I want to teach you to be able to go to your Bible and find the answers. I want you to go to your Bible and find the answers, not the Internet. Bonjour. Some of y'all remember that. Some of y'all got too bad a memory. Y'all remember this woman found this guy on the internet and they said all kinds of things. He showed up and he's a big goober. <laughs> Y'all with me? What does it mean? You can find anything you want to find on the internet. And it'll tell you what it, you can find 50 people that will agree with you about an opinion and 50 people who will disagree with you. Don't go to Google. Go to God's word. Are y'all with me? Now listen, number eight, real quickly. A failure to see a direct benefit. People always make time for the things they value most. Don't ever forget that. People always make time for things they value most. If they're not making time for church, that tells you something. Even among people who say they love the church, if declining attendance is an issue, chances are it is because they don't see a direct benefit. 
They don't see the value in being there week after week. Number nine, valuing attendance over engagement. This is important. When someone merely attends, say that with me. When someone merely attends, just comes, the likelihood of showing up regularly or even engaging their faith decreases over time. At our church, the most engaged people, in other words, people who serve, give, invite, who are in a life group, these are the most frequent attenders. It's not good just to show up. You need to get connected. And all God's people say it. Number 10, lastly, there's a massive cultural shift. All of these trends witness to something deeper. Our culture is shifting seismically. Listen, change is unkind to the unprepared. So ladies and gentlemen, we need to prepare. How many of y'all would agree things are different than they was five years ago? I was going to say 50 years ago, but it's just five years. Things are so different. There, there, there is, I can man, when I was growing up, there was no question. There was no, there was no wonder whatsoever. I never, I, I never one time went down and said, you reckon we go into church today? There, there was no question. There was none whatsoever. Listen, that's been my way of life, my whole life. And, and I know everybody's not like that. Everybody didn't grow up in a preacher's home. Everybody's not a preacher. Everybody did. I, I get that and I understand that. And so I don't want to go by my background and I don't want to go by my experience. I just want to take you to God's word and let's see what God's word says about this. Why is it important to assemble together? Why is it important to be faithful? Why is it important to gather together? And when I'm saying that, I'm not just saying to this building or to this church. I mean with other believers coming together. Why is that so critical? What will we accomplish? What will we accomplish by being faithful? What will we be accomplished by being committed to assembling together? The Bible says, look in verse number, verse number 22. What are we going to do this year? What are we going to commit to? Verse 22. Everybody read it. Let us. Say it again. Let us. What are we going to do by coming? We're going to get closer to God. Say that with me. We're going to get closer to. We're going to get closer to. Now there's two things that's listed in here. And remember it's described. It's described in the Old Testament imagery. Why? Because he's speaking to who? Hebrews, he's speaking to Jewish people who are familiar with the tabernacle, familiar with the temple and the old way of worship, the sacrificing and the shedding of blood and the ceremonial washing, the ceremonial washing. Y'all that went to Israel with me, y'all that went to Israel, remember when we went to the, uh, the wailing wall and they had the fountain, the fountain out, they still do the ceremonial washing. They will take uh, the, 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 the goblets that they had in that fountain and they will pour over their hands to, to get ceremonial clean before they go to the wailing wall, the western wall. Now, here is Old Testament imagery. Let's read the verse and then I'll explain it. Let us draw near with a true heart. That means sincere. A true heart in full assurance of faith. Faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now let me give you the two words and then I'll talk about it, okay? How are we going to draw near to God? How are we going to get closer to God? Through two things. A, salvation and sanctification. Salvation and sanctification. Now where do we get salvation from? The sprinkling of blood. 
You see, the, the, the high priest would go once a year and he would take the blood and he would sprinkle it on himself. He would sprinkle it on the mercy seat, which represented the cleansing of the blood, the cleansing of their sin. Now, we sing the song, what can wash away our sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Now, we don't take a goat and sacrifice it today. Are y'all with me? We don't take a goat and I don't, y'all don't come in here and I don't sprinkle blood on you. That's creepy. Say amen. We don't have to do that anymore. Jesus was the final sacrifice. So what is the writer saying to the Hebrew people here? Symbolically, we have been washed by the blood. Our sins, listen, our hearts and our conscience has been sprinkled with the blood of Christ and our sins have been taken away and we have boldness. We can come with full assurance and confidence of faith that I can go right into the presence of God because my sins have been washed away. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. What does that mean? We need to be faithful because some of y'all are not saved yet. You don't know Jesus yet. You've never repented of your sins and taken him as the Lord of your life. You are attending. Listen, but you don't know him as your savior. And I pray that you will keep coming because if you keep coming, you will hear the blessed gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the gospel is the power of God and the salvation. And you will find yourself under conviction of your sin and you will want to make it right. And you will get saved. Listen, there'll be, there'll be one of a couple of things will happen. You'll either get in, get right, or you'll get out. And I want you to get in. I want your sins forgiven. I want them washed away. I want you to know the sweet forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want him to take his blood and wash your sins away. And then he says this. Then he says this. He said, and our bodies wash with pure water. Now, people misquote this, and they misinterpret that to think that's water baptism. Not one single verse talks about water baptism washing anything away. This is in reverence to the ceremonial cleansing. The high priest would wash all over before he would perform his duties, and they do that for everything. And we, which I don't have time. I wish I had time to show you some of the, 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 the pictures we had of the ceremonial uh, baths and the, and the places they had over there. But it was a representation of purity. Now, what does that mean? That is for the saved. So, so what is the next word we're looking at? The sprinkling of the blood represents salvation. The washing of pure water represents sanctification. Yeah. Write that word down. Sanctification. Now, what does that mean? Let me explain it this way. <clears throat> The Bible says in Ephesians 5, this will make sense. This will make sense. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might. Listen, he is saving God. Listen, he's saving church. That's the people, right? Now watch what he's doing. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Now, what is he comparing water to? The the word. Are y'all with me? He's sanctifying and cleansing the church, the body of Christ, the believers, with the washing of water by the word. Why? But he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Somebody say amen. John 15, 3. Now ye are clean through the 
word which I have spoken unto you. John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is true. What does that mean? I want you to keep coming. I want you to show up because we're going to draw near to God through salvation. You cannot come to God without being saved and born again. But also, you need to be clean. You need to be holy. You need to be righteous. You need to be sanctified. Somebody say amen. And the word of God has a cleansing effect on every believer. Every time you come, you may not even realize it. You may not even completely understand it. But every time you come to the teaching and the preaching and the study of the word of God, you're taking a spiritual bath. God is cleansing you from the inside out. Listen, and everybody needs a bath every now and then. Listen, you work in a dirty world. You work around dirty people. You work in a place where the culture is wicked and evil as can be. And listen, that stuff just gets all over you. And you need to come and assemble together and get around the preaching of the word of God because it has a cleansing effect. Just wash you all down. I'm here to tell you, you got to go in God's presence, but you got to go holy. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, I'm telling you, you may not think it's doing anything, but it's washing you whether you know it or not. And all God's people say it. Mm -hmm. It has a sanctifying effect. He's washing the church. Well, listen, I know when you got saved, you wasn't everything you're supposed to be. Anybody with any sense knows that. Anybody with any sense knows that. But guess what? You may not be what you ought to be, but you ain't what you used to be. And if you keep coming and getting the word in you, you're not what you're going to be. Are y'all with me? There's some people just more sanctified than others. You know why? They've had more baths than others. Come on. It's symbolic. You got to put the imagery in your head. They would come and they would wash all over. Why? Because they were fixing to go into the presence of God. Now think about this, guys. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. How many of us are not apt to try to draw near to God because we're dirty? In other words, we got things in our life we know is not supposed to be there. Now I'm talking about to save people, guys. Well, this year keep coming. Be faithful. Let God work on you. Let God get some things out of your life that don't need to be there because I promise you, you really want to be drawing near to his presence. Why? What's the Bible say? In thy presence is fullness of joy. And the joy of the Lord is my strength. Some of y'all are getting your eyes beat out by the devil. You know why? Because you have no strength. And you have no strength because you have no joy. And you have no joy because you haven't been in God's presence. Does this make sense? He said, let us draw near in full assurance of faith. Let me ask y'all a question. Let me ask y'all a question. How many of of y'all had a parent that would whoop you? You're my kind of people. How many of y'all had a parent that would whoop you over a report card? How many of y'all didn't have a good one one time? 
Now, see, there's a difference, Brother Melvin. You had two bad ones, didn't you? I see both of them hands. There's been times I didn't have a good one. And there's times I had a good one. Now, when I had a good one, I couldn't wait to get in the Father's presence. Y'all know. But when I had a bad one, I was hoping he'd be late from work. Do I have a witness? What does this mean? How many of us are hesitating coming to God to enjoy his presence because our report card don't look real good? I got good news for you. You can fix that report card. It says, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. (laughs) We confess our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Preacher, you don't know what I got in my life. God don't want to see me. Oh, contraire. I usually don't use words I can't spell, but it fit right there. (laughs) Do you know when you need to go to God the most is when you feel like you deserve it the least. That's when he wants you to. Listen, he wants you cleaner than you want yourself. Are y'all with me? Why are we going to be faithful? So we can get closer to God. I want some of you guys to understand the privilege and and the joy of being close to God. I hope it's your, uh, what do you call that at the the New Year? uh, Resolution. I hope hope you decide today, you know what? This year, I'm going to be more faithful than I've ever been because this year I want to be closer to God than I've ever been in my life. How many of y'all say amen right there? Number two, why do, we, why do we need to be faithful so we can draw closer to God? Draw near. Draw near. Say that with me. Draw near. We want to be closer to God. Number two, this is really important. This is really important. He says in the, in the next verse, in the next verse, he says, let us draw near. Verse 22, verse 23, let us hold. hold. Now, one word. Let us Hold, hold, get a grip. Let us hold fast the profession of our without wavering. Now, there's two different words. There's two different words used in this. Same, same English word, faith and faith, right? Look in verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Then in verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our same English word, but it's two different Greek words. The, the word in the first one, the word in the first one is pistis, which means belief or persuasion. In other words, it's your salvation faith. When you place your faith in Christ, when you are persuaded that he is the Lord Jesus Christ, you understand what I'm saying? For by grace are you saved through, that's that word. That's that word. You got saved by placing your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see what I'm saying? 
Now, this next word is different. It's elpis, E-L-P-I-S, elpis, which means hope or expectation. Hope or expectation. So what is he saying? What is he saying? Now, obviously, we know by the teaching of the scripture that we don't hold on to be saved. We don't hold on to be saved. So that wouldn't make sense. But when you put the word there, we need to hold on to hope. Hope. Do you know what the Bible says about hope? Look what it says. Look what the Bible says about hope. It says Romans 15, 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. That we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures. What do you get every week in the house of God? Scriptures. What are you learning? What are you reading? What are you hearing? Scriptures. Why? So that we might have hope. Now why is hope important? Romans 15, 13. Romans 15 and 13. Now the God of hope. Fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in through the power of the Holy Ghost. So what does hope produce? Joy and peace. Say that with me. Say it again. Say it again. What is hope? Hebrews 6, 18. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Which hope, watch this, which hope we have as an of the soul. What is an anchor for? Listen, they would throw the anchor out when the storm begins to rage to keep it in place. Preacher, what are you saying? In life, there's going to come storms in our life. There's going to come great tragedies in our life. There's going to come great trouble in our life. And you need to keep coming. You need to stay faithful. Why? Because every time you come and hear the word of God, it's building hope inside of your soul, building hope inside of your life. You're getting a hold of an anchor that'll hold you when times are rough, when times are difficult, when you don't know what to do and you don't know what's going on. You you will hold on to hope. Listen, don't quit the church. Don't quit God. Don't quit the word of God. Why? We're living in a time when you need hope. We're living in hopeless times for those out in the world, but not for those who are in God's house, hearing God's word. Why? Because he's given us hope every day. Every time we open it, it tells us about Jesus. It tells us about God. It tells us about his love. It tells us about his provision. Somebody say amen. One of y'all going to have to preach the next service. Hope. Hope. You know, when we lose, when we lose hope. Listen, Christians are going to go through much tribulation. Christians are going to go through much tragedy. And that's why I said you need to hold on to hope. We don't have to hold on to our salvation. I'm not holding on. He's holding on to me. So I'm not holding on to salvation. But ladies and gentlemen, I do have to hold on to hope. I got to know that when I don't understand, when I can't see around me, when all my life is foggy and stormy around me, I got to know that I can have hope in a God who knows how I feel. He knows my pain. He knows my sorrow. And he can get me through it. Hope. Hope is so important. 
I told y'all this. It's not in the notes, but I, I told y'all about the experiment of the mice. Listen, I had this in another sermon years ago, and, and, and this, this is a true, real experiment. They put mice, they put mice in water to make them paddle and swim and tread water. And in just a matter of time, a very, very short length of time, they died. They just quit swimming. They quit swimming. And they drowned. And they did another experiment with some more mice. And, 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 and just and, and almost at the last second, they would take the mice out and let them rest and dry them off and, 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 let, and then put them back. And they found out this, that those mice could tread water almost 10 times more than the ones who were never touched because they never gave up. You know what they were saying? If we just keep paddling, if we just keep paddling, somebody's going to come get us out of here. But when they lost hope, they just gave up. Now, I'm telling you, we deal with stuff that will cause you to lose hope. And let me tell you this. When you quit God and you get out of church and you get away from God's people and you get away from God's word, you will lose hope ten times faster. Now, I don't know about you, but I need hope. This week, I have heard some God-awful news. And I'm not even talking about the, the recent tragedy we've had last week. I mean, stuff that just made me want to cry. Yeah. My heart goes out to these parents, and I, 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 just, I just want to tell them, please don't lose hope. Why do I keep coming? Because I need hope. Amen. Why do I keep coming to church? Because it's getting worse out there. Yeah. Man, I, you, you can't turn on the news without having your hope crushed but the good thing is my hope is not in CNN MSNBC or Fox News or the White House or the Senate or the State House my hope is in Jesus let us hold fast preacher why are you going to be faithful this year because I need hope I'm going to hold on I'm at the end of my rope tie knot and hold on it's an anchor for the soul. My hope that everything is going to be all right. And let me say this. Let me say this. Is everybody paying attention? I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Your hope don't need to just be in heaven. Please get me when I, what I'm saying. I hear people say, oh, oh, it's going to be better when we get to heaven. It's going to be, oh, oh, oh. I ain't there yet. I mean, if the only time that we're going to have any peace or any relief or any, any help or any joy or anything like that is when we get to heaven, then take me now. But that's not, that's not what he's saying. We can have joy and peace as an anchor of the soul now. I'm not waiting to heaven to have hope. And I'm not waiting. My hope is not waiting to get to heaven. My hope is that God can help me now. In grief, we may not see that at this moment, but hang on. 
Preacher, I just don't see the truth in that. Hang on. Let us hold. Just hang on. We was flying, we was flying over the ocean. We was flying over the ocean. A lot of ocean. Wide ocean. And man, it was so cloudy. I couldn't see nothing. Nothing. Say it with me. Nothing. But my hope was not based on what I could see. My hope was based on the captain. It wasn't important that I knew what was going on or that I could see. What was important is he could see. What's the point? You have a captain. His name is Jesus. And your life might be in the fog right now. Don't worry about what you can see. You understand that he can see. When you feel like quitting, just hold on. Preacher, why are you coming to church? Because it helps me to. It gives me hope to. It gives me strength to. Hold on. Preacher, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't, but I know who does. And he'll help you to hold on. Number three. He says, let us, let us draw near. Why am I going to be faithful this year? Because I want to get closer to God. Why am I going to be faithful? Because I need to hold fast. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I'm going to hold on. Isn't that amazing? It says faith in number one, hope in number two. But watch this. Verse 24. Let us consider one another to provoke unto. We find faith in 22. We find hope in 23. What do we find in 24? That's the three most important Christian graces. Faith, hope, and love. Watch this. Why am I going to be faithful this year? It says, let us draw near. Let's get closer to God. Let us hold fast. Let us hold on to hope. Number 24, and let us. All right, verse 24. And let us consider one another. What does that mean? What does it mean to consider one another? When it comes to being faithful to assembling, what he's saying here is you need to think about somebody else besides yourself. Which we never do. One and two has to do with you. Number three has to do with who needs you. Did y'all get that? Number one and two has to do with you. Number three has to do with who needs you. Why do you need to be faithful? Because somebody sitting beside you needs you. Let us consider one another. He doesn't say consider yourself. He doesn't say consider your hope. He doesn't say consider what you need. He says when it comes to assembling together and we don't need to forsake it, he says you need to think about somebody else besides yourself. Consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Then it says this, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. Don't miss. Stay committed. Be faithful. Why? 
exhort one another. He says provoke and exhort. Those two words. Now let's look at both of them. To provoke. To provoke means to move, to stir up, to motivate. Now, there's two things he says that we are to motivate the one beside us to do. To love and to perform good works. Are y'all with me? I'm here to motivate you. I'm here to provoke you. I'm here to encourage. Listen, get, 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 get. Now, what's the best way? What's the best way to help somebody love somebody else? By loving them. By, are y'all with me? The one beside you needs you. I've heard people say, well, I don't need that much church. It may not be. Well, that's a lie, number one. But it may not be the fact that you need it. Somebody else needs you. They need your smile. They need your handshake. They need to hear your good morning. They need your pat on the back. They need you to tell them everything's going to be all right. Are y'all with me? You can't get that at home. Who are you going to motivate? The pooch beside you? Most people that are watching at home usually watch alone. You cannot do point number three by yourself. Get dressed and get here at 11 o'clock. Now, you done got point one and you done got point two. You already know about uh, hope and you already know about salvation. But somebody needs your smile. Somebody needs your handshake. Somebody needs your encouragement. Somebody needs you to come and tell them you love them and everything's going to be all right. Get out of that bed and get here. And if you're out of state, find somewhere to go. Don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together. It's not always about you. If you guys only knew the heartache and the heartbreak and the tragedies that's sitting all around you that you don't even know about. And they're just dying for somebody to say, I love you. Are you okay? Can I pray for you? I mean, there is no doubt about it. In almost every service we have, there is somebody that is suicidal sitting right beside you and you don't even know it. And one smile, one handshake, one attaboy, one good morning could change their life forever. What's the point? Don't just come here and sit down. Find somebody to love on. Find a widow that just lost her husband. Why y'all shocked? Aren't we family? The dangerous part about having a big church is you can just slip in and slip out. That's not what we're supposed to do. Somebody needs your encouragement. 
Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together because somebody needs you. The word provoke means to motivate. The next word, the next word, look what it says. And I'm done. I done went over time. Exhort. What's the word exhort mean? To. Come on. To. Encourage. To. Embolden to give strength. So we're to motivate one another to good works. We're to encourage each other to keep going. Look at me. Y'all, y'all doing it every time. You wrap them up. I can hear them paper wrapping. You're looking at Look at me. Look at me. I want to motivate you to love people and serve people. And those that you are loving people and serving people, and you're tired. You're tired. It says, be not weary in well-doing, for we shall reap if we faint not. So here's what I want to do. I want to encourage you that's not doing nothing to do something. And I want to encourage those that are doing something and you're tired to keep on doing it. That's why I need you here. That's why I need you here. Listen, if you're not here, I can't encourage you. If you're not here, I can't motivate you. If you're not here, listen, you're missing out on an opportunity to be encouraged and helped. Now, I don't care what kind of recluse you are, and I don't care what kind of hermit you are. And, I, I, you know, I see the memes, oh, the scariest time. I was laughing. Some of them posted the scariest time, uh, you know, and had the baby Yoda on there. It said, handshaking time in the church. Because <laughs> I got youngins. I got youngins that's that way, you know, that they, 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 it's not. Well, anyway. But everybody likes, good job. I don't care how much you're recluse. And I don't care how much you're, you're shy. Everybody likes to be encouraged. Amen. Don't miss. Make this a year that no matter what, hell or high water, listen, unless, unless there is a serious situation, I'm going to be in the house of God. I'm going to be faithful. Because i got to hold on. And I want to get closer to God. And even more importantly, somebody needs me. Yeah. Amen. And all God's people say, let's stand. Let's stand. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your love and your mercy.